It's good to have Lee Marie's granddaughter with us this morning, and she's going to come around and bring us a special. This is Abby Thornhill. Everybody's got a story to tell And everybody's got a wound to be healed I wanna believe there's beauty here Cause oh I get so tired of holding on I can't let go, I can't move on I'm gonna believe there's meaning here How many times have you heard me cry out God, please take this How many times have you given me strength to just keep breathing Oh, I On a road I didn't plan Wondering how I got to where I am I'm wanting to hear that still small voice I'm trying to hear above the noise How many times did you heard me cry out, God, please take this. How many times have you given me strength to just keep breathing? Oh, I need you, God, I need you now. Oh, I walk, oh, I walk the shadows and I I am so afraid please stay please stay right beside me with every single step I take how many times have you heard me cry out And how many times have you given me strength? How many times have you heard me cry out, God, please take this? How many times have you given me strength to just keep breathing? Oh, I need you, God, I
need him right now. Amen. At this time, uh, uh, Bailey and Heather's going to bring our special. Sunday school, I memorized the golden rule and how Jesus came to set the sinner free. I know the story inside out, and I can tell you all about the path that led him up to Calvary. But ask me why he loves me. And I don't know what to say But I'll never be the same Because He changed my life When He became everything to me He's more than a story More than words on a page Of history He's the air that I breathe The water Yeah. 
thank everyone for those awesome specials. Jesus, we need Him now, and He should be our everything to us. He, When you have Him in the right place, in the priorities of your life, everything else falls into place. At this, as we look at Memorial Day weekend, it's just, I often, uh, whenever I, many times I didn't really prepare a message in, kind of in sync or along with the theme of Memorial Day weekend, but I always look forward to it the past uh, 10 or so years, just preparing a message, thinking about remembering, because not only does that fit well with our service men and women, but remembering back fits well with us as Christians. As Christians, we need to remember. We need to remember what Jesus did. And many times in the Bible, it talks about remembering. Uh, many sermons in the Bible, not just preachers today, but many sermons in the Bible say, remember when your forefathers did this, when they did good or when they messed up. How can we learn from that? We're going to start off with one passage of Scripture. And, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll look at uh, verse 13. Let's stand for the reading of this one verse. As I was preparing these slides, and I believe that's the same, the top heading there is the same as what's in our bulletin, uh, I think. And I thought that was a, a neat uh, coincidence. But uh, God is really not about coincidences, is He? So Hebrews eleven thirteen, The Word of God says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims, on the earth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being with us this morning. I thank you for the awesome specials that were rendered, that were given. Help us to remember. And those who've gone on before us, that we would not forget the sacrifices that they made. And most of all, of course, remembering what you did for us on Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for the for standing. And looking at this uh, passage here, as uh, I think about these all died in faith, how many people uh, have laid down their life, those who paid the ultimate price? Matter of fact, uh, the word martyr uh, means, in the, in the Greek, the word literally means uh, being a witness. It's pretty neat. You know, a lot of times we don't think about that, that the word martyr is somebody who lays down their life for a cause. Now, in matter of fact, sometimes, you know, for a cause, they could be doing a cause for, uh, like uh, many people say, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. or somebody laid, laid down their life for the cause of, of freedom or those who laid down their life for civil rights. You can make a martyr out of anybody. You can make a martyr for a good thing or a martyr for a bad thing. Uh, David Koresh, 
the leader of the uh, cult out in Waco. My dad was a state trooper at that particular time. I believe that occurred in 1993 out there in Waco, Texas. He got to, uh, he and the uh, ATF and all the FBI, he was the state trooper then. He got to go up in a helicopter and they would circle that compound there in Waco, and, and uh, he got to see all that before, of course, the tragic end of that. Many of those people, of course, uh, most of them died, and they, they could be considered a martyr for their cause. They were a witness. They laid down their life for what they believed in, and uh, many, but of course, many people have laid down their lives for various reasons. But looking at this, I think about and one of the more famous things laying down, people who, given their all, it tends to uh, remind me of a, a letter that I, I really love, even though there's a lot of controversy around the, the Bixby letter, as it's called, uh, probably penned by Abraham Lincoln, even though there may be a little bit of controversy on exactly how it found out later that uh, he, as he wrote this letter to Mrs. Bixby, and uh, found out that there was a son that was still alive, but uh, a neat letter. It's also the premise of the story of Saving Private Ryan. Many people have given that. Uh, I just want to read this uh, Bixby letter real quick. It says, uh, and this, of course, is from the executive mansion, the uh, White House, to Mrs. Bixby. Uh, Dear Madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjunct General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage you the anguish of your bereavement and leave only you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom, yours very sincerely and respectfully, A. Lincoln. And uh, just a great letter. And I think about that as probably, more than likely, he pinned that to this uh, lady who left her sons on the field of battle. And many people that's, that's happened to before. How many people have gone on and given their lives? Well, there's a, you can lay down your life physically. You can die for your country. You can die for Christ. You can be a martyr for the Lord. But more than that, say, well, Brother Michael, I've never been <clears throat> called upon to lay down my life for Jesus or my country. Many people in this room have served their country, and we thank you for that. Many people in this room have placed their, <clears throat> their lives in jeopardy for others. You have risked your life for our country or a person or an individual. We thank you for your service to our country, the United States. One day, 
we will stand before the Lord. And I believe He will recognize those who paid the ultimate price. That is found and described in Matthew 16 and verse 24. Jesus said unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his... Now the word cross means uh, it was significant of an item of death. It it signified death in Jesus' day. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it profited what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, as we look to this, we see this in this passage of Scripture. And uh, so let's go back to Hebrews 11. Again, verse 13, our text, these all died in faith. Now let's go to 14. So all these people died in faith, not having seen anything. I gave my life for something that I believed in, but I have not seen I gave my life. So notice this next section, 14 and 15. It says this, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Well, folks, that's been said of, of many churches and people. They that say such things. Y'all know those people out at Promised Land? You know, they say this. You know those, you know, oh, so-and-so who lives over there? You know the, you know the, the Cecils? Y'all know what they say? You know the Higginbothams? You know what they say? Y'all know those Sullivans? You know what they say? What what about you know you just name every last name in our church? What y'all know what they say? They that that's what it says. They that say such things. You know, think about it. What do you what do you live for? They that say such things. What do you purpose your life for? It says they that these all died in faith, and then it goes on to say they that say such things say. You know what I believe in? You know what I believe? I believe that we have a heavenly home. We have a Savior. We have a Jesus. We have a Son of God. We have a security of believer. We have a, a, a heavenly home that one day we'll see. And I don't want to go back to my old way of living. I don't want to go back to the way I used to be. I don't want to uh, do something that's different than the Word of God. They that say such things, what are you saying with the way you live your life? What are, what are you standing for? What would you lay your life down for? What would, you, what would you shed your blood for? They that say such things, what is this talking about? Well, it's talking about a group of people. They that say such things declare plainly, What could you say this morning? I declare plainly, this is what my life is all about. What is your life all about this morning? They that say such things. Well, what are these? Who is they? 
sometimes, as a, especially as a pastor, people will come up to me and, and they'll say, uh, well, there's some people that are saying, or they are saying, well, who's they? <laughs> who's this, this uh, people? Usually, it, you know, when somebody says that, it's just they're just talking about their own self. <laughs> and the they is just an imaginary bunch behind them. But it says these people, the people that are described in 14, 15, and 16 are selfless people. Folks, if you would lay down your life for other people, you're selfless. If you just back up just a, a little ways uh, to the book of Philippians, of selfless people is described here in Philippians 2, 2 through 5. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. <clears throat> But every man also on the things of others. And then it says, let this mind, and really what it means is when it says, let this mind, let this thinking, let this manner of thinking be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that? Selfless. Always looking forward to. Now, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, it says back in our text, verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, who's the they there? Well, it's talking about the children of Israel. Okay, now let's just flip uh, real quick to the Old Testament. You can follow along in your, your Bible or the screen, either one, Exodus 14. I'm going to put the finger here in Numbers 11. We're going to look at these real quick. Numbers 11 and... Uh, and then back over here in Exodus 14, right after the children of Israel came out of, the, uh, prom out of Egypt, headed toward the promised land, in Exodus 14:31, the Word of God says this, And Israel saw that great work, this is right after the crossing of the Red Sea and everything, and Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then if you head to, now they've been, by this time they've been in the promised land a while. In Numbers chapter 11, in verse 1, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. Well, so many times that we're just like the children of Israel. Uh, we see God do something great, like uh, our revival services that we just had. Those were awesome. Brother Lamar Denby and Brother Paul Buck did a fantastic job. We had some great services, great singing. And think about this also. Many of you and I have seen God work. Matter of fact, the past two years or so, 
We've seen a ton of young people get saved, even older people. We've seen a lot of our family members that are here. We've had different ones join our church, follow the Lord in baptism. We've seen some great movements of the Lord. And then think about this. Think about y'all know what God has done for our church, right? You know what God has done for promised land. You know what God has done for you in your own life years gone by, years in the past. But think about this. They did too. They saw all the ten plagues that Moses did. Then they went out there into the wilderness and they said, You've led us out here to die. Look, there's a huge ocean. And look behind us, there's a huge army. They're just complaining and grumbling. And then all of a sudden, stand back. See the salvation of the Lord, raise the rod, boom, boom, boom. Water goes back, okay, and not even any mud anywhere. It's like a paved superhighway across the Red Sea. They didn't even get muddy. And so they go across there, and they get on the other side, whoo, and they sing a song. Read about it. It's a cool song they sang. It says the water's working jail. They get on the other side, we're thirsty. You need some water? Okay. And then he strikes the rock and gets it out. The second time, he's supposed to speak to it. He doesn't do that. We know the story of Moses. And we're hungry. We're starving to death. Okay, here's some manna. Boom. Bread, you know, sunbeam falls out of the sky. And they're going around picking up loaves of sunbeam bread or wholesome or whatever you like. And so they got all this. They They got all this sandwich stuff everywhere. And they're making stuff out of it. And they're providing. They got stuff to drink. And they got stuff to eat. Well... And then they say, we're tired of this. We want some meat. And okay, I'm sick and tired of y'all's griping and complaining. I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to run out your nose. If you don't believe that, that's in the Bible. Because why? He was sick and tired of their griping and complaining. And what did that verse say in Numbers 11.1? 1? Griping and complaining, he got so sick and tired of it, he sent some fiery little angelic beings or whatever, and that fire went through and started killing everybody. You read the rest of the chapter, and it says Moses said, whoa, and the people said, whoa. Isn't it amazing how short their memory was? Isn't it amazing how short our memory is? About that long. God, thank you, God, thank you. Then you just one week later, something bad happens. God, why me? We forget about He got us through the last one. He got us through the last storm. He got us through the last calamity. He got us through it. And we don't think He can do it the next time. And He said, didn't I deliver you the last time? I can deliver you again. I didn't promise, as the song goes, I didn't promise you a rose garden. Neither did God. We do have a city, but it's not here. I mean, we was asking the young people, isn't Arkansas a great place to live? But it's not our home. It's not our permanent home. Most of the time, the children of Israel say, well... And, and we shouldn't, we, anytime we get in trouble, we compare ourselves horizontally when we should be comparing ourselves vertically to the Lord and trying to be like Him. But most of the time, when churches or nation or a group of people have any trouble, it's when you're living in the past. God wants us to learn from the past, but not live in the past. Philippians 3, just a, a neat passage. We were in Philippians 2 a while ago. 
verse 13 and 14. It says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Why would anybody want to forget those things which are behind? Well, what he's saying is he's not saying forget. He's saying the word forget there means to put it in the past, leaving the past, moving on forward, looking. And that's what it says. If you look at the context, forgetting those things which here, which are behind means because they're there that's where they are i've learned from them matter of fact paul he called himself the chiefest of sinners why because he persecuted churches and people and threw them in jail and prison and killed some of them and notice what he says putting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before i press toward the mark for the prize the high if you want to be successful for jesus learn from the past but don't live in the past because that's when you start complaining. They have a hope. Our 16 says they have a hope. What is their hope? These same people that complained and griped to Moses, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed. <clears throat> God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I, <clears throat> our church camp is coming up fast. And uh, pray for our church camp. This first church camp, matter of fact, we'll be leaving two weeks from today is our homecoming here at Promised Land. Two weeks from today, our homecoming. And uh, looking forward to the fellowship that we'll have one with another. We'll leave that afternoon to go to church camp. I got uh, word the other day from our registrar, we've already crossed over 600 campers. So we have 600 campers that will be there. I'm sure there will be a lot of lost people. Uh, Trey's our glorious recreation director. He's got everything fired up. He's going to keep 600 people busy. Okay? I'm the director. I've got all of our speakers lined up. I called them back three times. Are you ready? Are you ready? I prayed with each of them over the phone. I talked to them. I I want them to know that uh, that I reached and uh, I want them to know we're going to have special prayer that we're going to get uh, when we get there because there's going to be lost people there. Our theme is action heroes, superheroes, action heroes. The very first superheroes, action heroes are in the Bible. People who live for the Lord are an action hero and a hero to many. The ultimate hero is Jesus. He's the winner of it all. He's our savior. But we have two great examples here. Abraham and Moses. And just breaking some of these down, we look right off the bat with Abraham. He believed God. And notice in verse 17 through 19, he believed God no matter what. This is very interesting. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, except here, what Abraham was thinking when God asked him to do something that sounded horrible at first. I think about Abraham... And as you see on the screen, very few people will leave their homeland. But he left his homeland. God asked him to. That's a big step for a lot of people. Leave where you grew up. I need you to go serve me over here. I've got a plan for you over here. But you've got to leave where you grew up. That was a big test of faith right there. Leave where you grew up and go somewhere different. And then he does that. And he goes through some uh, trying circumstances. But it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, 
tested, offered offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting, this is where it tells you what Abraham was thinking. Verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham, when this happened, when this testing happened, he was over a hundred years old. He was a hundred whenever Isaac was born. Okay, so he don't think about it. Now, now right here, Abraham believes God, and I put in there, Abraham believed God no matter what. But did you know this? Did you know this? He had messed up a bunch before he got there at that point. Several times, Abraham had a chance to, to stand up for the Lord, but he, he would lie. He lied about his wife, you know, and he would say different things, like, she's my sister. He was scared. He didn't have enough faith. Folks, all of us can learn from our failures. I think Abraham learned from his failures. He, and they both, I, you know, the, we make a big deal of Sarah laughing when they said, I'm going to get... I'm going to become with child. I'm going to become expecting with a child at 90. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Why'd you laugh? Well, I didn't laugh. No, well, she's done, she's done two things. Now she's lied and she is not having enough faith. We all mess up. We all mess up. But here, Abraham passes the test. Why? Learn from the past. Don't live in the past. Learn from the past. Don't live in the past. That's what Abraham did. And his faith was steadily increasing. And he believed God. And he had that knife drawn back. And he was about to kill his own son. But we know what he was thinking. I don't understand this, God. You promised me a son. And now you want me to kill him. And he's coming down. He's about to kill him. And and all of a sudden, this angel hollers out, Abraham, stop. Whoa. Sees a ram with his horns caught in the briars. And that ram represents Jesus. You know why? The Bible says this, he was offered in the place of his son. And Jesus was offered in your place and in my place. Moses, real quickly, verse 23 and 24 by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. That's awesome. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in a palace. He went from a palace to a pasture with a purpose. Well, in the palace, he, he was raised, but he made a mistake. He killed somebody. And uh, he was trying to defend this other uh, Hebrew's life and... But he did it. He went about it the wrong way. He just totally messed up. Well, he learned from that. And then the pasture, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ. This is Moses, greater riches and treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, which means this. He's thinking about what God wants him to do. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who's invisible. I don't know 
how the how this is all going to work out. Mama told me, and he was raised by his mom for just a little while. So in the palace, he had he knew who he was. He was a Hebrew. He knew that God had a plan, but he wasn't sure about it. All he knew was a God. Matter of fact, he had not nobody had ever heard from God in a while until a burning bush experience. Max Lucado writes a neat modern-day analogy of this and, uh, in a book in our library called When God Whispers Your Name. And the modern-day analogy is titled in the chapter, I think it's the first chapter of the book, and it says, A Voice from the Mop Bucket. That's the title of the chapter, A Voice from the Mop Bucket. In other words, God spoke from a mop bucket to this fellow who needed to go back to serving the Lord. You say, well, that's stupid. God would never do that. Well, he spoke from a bush. He can speak from anything he wants to. If he wants to speak from a rose bush or a mop bucket, he can choose to speak out of anything he wants to speak out of. Okay? And he, and he owned the backside of the desert. So Moses went from the palace to a pasture, tending sheep, and all of a sudden on the backside, right beside a big rock, he walks up there, and God says, hey, I've got a job for you. He says, go back. And finally, he has a purpose. Eighty years old, and finally God says, it's time to go to work. What about you? Age is not an excuse. Well, I've served my time. That, no, that, that just flies out the window with Abraham and Moses. B- boom. Age is just a number. It's not an excuse. He had a purpose. 28 and 29. I'm going to do everything you say. Ten plagues, no problem. He, through faith, he kept the pice over, sprinkling the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, which were in which the Egyptians wanting to do, or saying to do, were drowned. Well, when I was growing up, especially whenever I was dating Karen, uh, her dad always loved to watch wrestling, wrestling, <laughs> Mid-South wrestling, that old time, Hacksaw Jim Dugan, that kind of wrestling. And for the days of WWE. And there was one on there called the Ultimate Warrior. Matter of fact, he just passed away, the fellow that played that or did that part. Well, we have an Ultimate Warrior. And the fellow, I tell you what, you can call the Ultimate Warrior Jesus. You know why? He's conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. He's conquered it all. Okay? He's the Ultimate Warrior. He did. He said, I got to defeat death. Why? For you. I got to defeat the, I've got the keys to the kingdom. Why? And I give them to you. Because I am, the, what did he say? What's his title when he comes back the second time? He's going to have the title. He's going to have the title belt. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to have the title belt. And matter of fact, this great summary, which the Bible, remember there were no chapters and verses when the Bible was written. And so just keep on reading. After chapter 11, you go into chapter 12, obviously. Verse 1. Wherefore, we're seeing we're compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, what does that mean? A lot of people say, well, everybody's watching us. No, they're not. They'd be all upset if they were watching us. The witnesses are chapter 11. That's who the witnesses are. And the, who do we have as our witnesses? Who do we have as our martyrs? Who do we have as the people who went before us that we're to learn from? We're so compassed with a, a great cloud of witnesses. All these people that have lived. Folks, not only Moses and Abraham, but how many witnesses are over here in this cemetery? How many witnesses are over here that have people that have given their life for this local area, people who have sacrificed, people who lived for Jesus before me and you came along right here in this area. And then it says, 
You see all them? We need to do verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down the rest. He can do that now. You know why? It's finished. His work is finished. As we prepare for Him the invitation. Jesus conquered sin, death, the grave. Jesus gave His life for me and for you. Let's don't live in the past. Let's learn from it. Let's press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's press toward Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Him. That's what verse Hebrews 12, 2 says. What does it say? Looking unto Jesus. What did Paul say? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank You for this opportunity. I thank You for loving us giving us this time to hear Your Word, to know that we, we are to remember. And we're to learn. We're to grow. And we're to commit our lives to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.